excited to be with you here this morning. I actually preached last Father's Day as well, as for those of you who were here, and apparently both times John didn't realize that it was Father's Day that I was preaching, so I guess it must just be divine intervention that I'm here again. And so for many of you, you may not know this, but my dad played a really, really large role in developing one of my greatest passions and joys, just dance. So when I was just three, my dad put me in my very first tap ballet duo class, and I remember that for my very first recital, I got to wear this gold, sparkly angel costume. And so clearly, fashion, which is another love of mine, solidified my, my love for dance because what's more fashionable than a gold, sparkly angel costume, right? <laughs> and so I danced all throughout elementary, middle school, and high school. And then when I was about 16 years old, I developed this weird twinge in my back. And that back twinge really ended up turning into back pain that I currently still have today. And so it kind of became chronic pain. It moved up my spine, it's part of my neck. I have good days, I have bad days, <laughs> everything in between. And, you know, I've seen a lot of doctors and I've gone to physical therapists, massage therapy. I've tried pretty much everything, diet, exercise. And um, doctors really don't know fully what's wrong. They just know that I'm hypermobile, which basically means I'm loosey-goosey. It's from the years of dance. And anytime I practically sneeze or move wrong, I sometimes have about three, four, five days, depending on how I feel. Um, and so... Well, a lot of people know about this pain. Like, if you're good friends with me, you know. You've seen some bad days. You've seen some days where, like, I can't do what I would like to do because of it. Um, but I'm not actually a huge fan of talking about it. It's a little bit vulnerable. I don't want to share with everyone about how I have this, this pain. Um, and I've honestly become kind of an expert at trying to ignore it sometimes. Like, I will do things I should not do because I don't want to have to face the fact that I have it. <laughs> and another part of it also, though, is it's become a large part of my identity in other ways. Like, I kind of learned to wear it. Um, and honestly, I've, throughout the years, developed a large level of cynicism around this pain. I oftentimes just become really weary, and I don't know if any of you out there have chronic pain or have dealt with something that hurts for a long period of time, it feels like you can't shake it, but it can be really discouraging, right? Over and over and over again. Um, and so eventually I come to this place where I'm like, okay, it's unmanageable, I need to go to physical therapy again, and then I end up in PT. And as I was thinking about today, for some reason this kept popping up for me. Um, and maybe it's because I, about three months ago, I had this really beautiful experience with Jesus about my back pain. So um, when I was thinking about this morning, I kept thinking about maybe you're just supposed to share a little bit of your story with them, and I hope that maybe someone else will find a little bit of their story in mine. Um, and God has been teaching me a lot about this idea of what I would call healing, <laughs> and not like it's a new idea that I came up with, but um, he's been teaching me a lot about this. Um, and as this day has continued to creep closer, I've wondered, oh man, everyone's going to think that I'm going to talk about fathers, right? Because it's Father's Day. Um, and I've wrestled with that a little bit. But the reality is, is that when we're talking about our dad, right, even like our Heavenly Father and our earthly fathers, there's a lot of healing that maybe needs to be done. Um, whether or not our dads were abusive, absent, or near perfect, we all have a little bit of healing to do when it comes to our daddies, right? And so I hope that today it fits for each of you in, in some way. Um, also recognize that anytime a preacher gets up to talk about healing, that maybe some people kind of get a little weary. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in terms of that, or you've just been really discouraged. And so I know that more harm can be done than healing. 
So if that's you, I'm sorry, and I hope that you don't shut down or tune out this morning. Um, also, I know that my experience with pain and with healing is just one story. Um, and yet I believe that God is writing a powerful story in my life, and I want to share it with you this morning. And you know, I'm not the end-all be-all of, of everything when it comes to this, um, but I do hope that this area is, is healing, right? It's kind of a mystery to us. I hope that we come to understand it just a little bit more, and that my story of healing would impact maybe the story that God is writing in each of all of each of us. Okay, so story time. About three months ago, <laughs> even though I've kind of already been telling the story, about three months ago, I was at a church service in Pasadena, and um, during the church service. The pastor stopped during the worship and because he felt like God was moving in a unique way and maybe some people in the room needed healing. And I have had many situations in my life where, you know, the pastor says, if you need healing, you can stand up and some people will stand around you and pray over you. And I really try to be faithful to standing up for that. Um, and over and over again, I've kind of done it. But this is a little different. It's a super small church. And I knew that I had to walk forward and that literally the entire service was stopped. And so everyone would be praying for me. And I felt my heart pounding out. I don't know if you've been in one of those situations before. You're like, I really don't want to walk forward. I'm not going to walk forward. <laughs> like, if you know that Jesus is kind of talking to you and you don't want to do it but eventually I did and I walked forward and um, they put their hands on me and they started to pray for me and I was kind of teary and I was like crying so I'm, and I'm praying God um, would you give me the faith would you give me just a mustard seed of faith to believe that you could heal me this morning would you somehow heal me this morning please please I'm like praying this I don't know if you've ever been told before that maybe you haven't been healed of something because you don't have enough faith to be healed as if, like, your ability to have faith, like, God's ability to heal is dependent on your ability to have faith, right? Um, and I've been told that before many times. And so, while I don't necessarily believe that that's true, I'm still praying for faith, right? Like, Lord, please give me some faith. Um, we finished praying, and I looked up, and, and, well, I felt no different. I still had tension in my back. I had a sharp pain when I stepped. And the man that was praying over me was like, do something you haven't been able to do before. And I looked at him kind of bewildered, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I feel a little awkward right now. And it kind of felt like, you know when you're little and you wake up on your birthday morning and everyone asks you, like, how do you feel? And you really want to feel, like, bigger and stronger and taller and smarter. But you're like, to be honest, I feel exactly the same. <laughs> and that's exactly how I felt. So finally, I went back to my chair. And honestly, I was pretty discouraged and kind of embarrassed, a little frustrated with God. I'm like, why would you have me come forward? Um, and so um, I sat back down, and I was just kind of praying. And there was a woman that was sitting next to me. And she went and scooted over next to me, and she just put her hand on my back. She just kept her hand there, and she was praying for me. And then, this is the cool part, kind of like suddenly, but also really subtly, I just felt warmth running all throughout my back. Um, it was very, very subtle, um, but honestly, I knew it was Jesus, um, and it, it was like almost like, like a slight like current or like a river that was like running through my back, and um, I was really overwhelming. It was almost staggering for me, and like I said, it was so subtle though. Um, and I just kept praying, like, Lord, I feel like you're doing something. I don't know fully what, but I knew that in that moment he was doing something. And so after service, I went up to the pastor, one of the female pastors and this other man that had been praying for me, and I said, I want more of what we did because I feel like something's happening, and I would really like to continue to pray. And so they sat down with me, and they prayed for me a really long time, probably like a good 20, 30 minutes. 
And during that time, we prayed over a lot of stuff. We prayed over um, some traumas that I've experienced in my life, some frustration, some anger, some resentment, some doubt, some anxiety, some perfectionism. Just started praying over that stuff. And I felt a lot of it just start to release. And I left that morning feeling better than I had felt in a long time and a lot more free than I had felt in a really long time. When I left that morning, I felt full of like grace and like peace and freedom. And I believed that God had really done something. He had met me in a moment and healed me. Now, I'm here today to tell you that I still experience pain. But you're like me, like, well, gosh, that doesn't sound like a very good healing story, right? Aren't you supposed to be completely healed? And to be honest, the weeks following that, I really doubt it. I'm like, was that, was I just absolutely crazy? And I would tell some people, and I could tell they were looking at me like, you are crazy. And then some people I would tell this story to, and they would meet me with a lot of warmth and grace and kindness. Um, and I would say, like, but I'm still experiencing pain, and I don't really know what to do with that. And I was really wrestling with that idea, right? But I would tell you that as time has gone on since that encounter about three months ago, I have just seen God meet me over and over again in really unique ways. And he's been teaching me a lot about what healing is, at least in my life. Um, and he's taught me to believe that that moment that I had with him was real and that I was, in a sense, healed. And I'm still on a journey of healing. So there's just a few things I want to share with you today, three things that I believe is true about healing. And they are, let me get this situated if I can even figure it out. I'm not very good at technology. I know I'm a millennial, but it does not mean that you're good at technology. <laughs> good, here. There we go. Okay. Okay. Those are my grandpa's hands, by the way. Yeah. Okay. So, the first thing is, is that healing is both miraculous and a journey. So I have not encountered that many miraculous moments in my life, in, in my journey of faith. And yet that morning I do think it was one of those little small moments of miracle. And you know what I still love after I've been reflecting on that story is that God did something kind of powerful, miraculous, when I went and sat down in the back of the congregation, not in front of everyone. It was like this really sweet thing between just me and him. This is the thing, I believe that God is capable of the miraculous. I also think that when we think of miracles, we often think of magic, right? But a miracle is often a lot more subtle, a lot more earthy than that. One of my favorite stories is in Mark 8, and it's when Jesus heals a blind man and gives him sight. And in this story, it's really cool because he doesn't, well, it's actually not cool, it's kind of weird. What do you think he uses to heal the man? Not fairy dust, not like a wand, anything like that. <laughs> he uses his spit, which is kind of weird, right? But he just uses his spit. And he puts his hands on the man's eyes, and the first time he heals a man, the man just sees trees, like fuzzy. He doesn't see fully, right? He just kind of sees things. And so Jesus heals him again, and then he sees clearly. And this story reminds me, kind of over and over again, every time I read it, is that sometimes our healing journeys are, are journeys. They're, they're moments of miracles, but they're lots of little subtle small ones on our journey of wholeness and healing. And you know what? That doesn't make it any less miraculous, right, that it's a journey. 
One of my favorite authors, Rachel Hold Evans, in her book, Searching for Sunday, writes this. She says, there's a difference between hearing and healing. And I believe that the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. We are called to enter into one another's pain, anoint it as holy, and stick around no matter the outcome. She goes on to say, it takes time. It's in, it takes time, it's inefficient, like a meandering river. Rarely does healing follow a straight or well-lit path. Rarely does it conform to our expectations or resolve in a timely manner. And the reality is, most things that we really need healing for are deeply ingrained to our, into our identity, right? Like I was telling you, my back pain has kind of become something that's deeply ingrained into my identity. And so it is a miracle when we are healed or experience healing at all. Whether that healing happens in an instant, the miracle is that we experience Jesus. And the, the miracle is that we experience healing at all. For some of us, we need healing because there have been both external and internal trials and circumstances that have kicked us down over and over and over again. And those things oftentimes have a way of telling us lies about who we are and robbing us of any kind of joy or hope we could have for things. And so it often takes time, a great deal of perseverance, and our willingness to participate in the grace of God, to enter into that messy work of healing. Because this is the reality, life is going to keep coming at us with more and more things, and it keeps bumping up against our scars and our wounds. And so it's a continual journey of what that healing can look like. And so those couple, those probably like that month after I've had that experience, I came across this verse. And so I'm going to share it with you because, and just kind of some things that God has been teaching with me about in terms of this idea of it being a journey. Um, and it's James 1, 2 through 4. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when James says that we should consider our trials with pure joy, he's reminding us that this is not a one-time thing, but a continuous part of our journey as Christians. And you know what? I think this can maybe look like even something like you experience healing, what you believe, like healing from an addiction, right? You haven't, you haven't relapsed in years and then something really hard happens, or just life happens in general, and maybe you do relapse. Maybe, maybe this means that you still believe that you were healed, and that God still healed you, that there was healing that happened, and that there's healing yet to come. It's trusting and believing that there can be hope in the midst of this. language. And so it's a big deal when James says this, because there's inclusivity to it, to it. He's saying every single one of us, all of us are to consider these things with joy. And as I've shared previously with you, when it comes to my back, I've honestly developed a, lar a large level of cynicism and hard-heartedness. And whenever I read this phrase after kind of that experience, I just kept hearing the phrase, consider it pure joy. 
when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And the truth is, a lot of times I would like to think that I am the exception to that rule, that I can harbor that pain, and that, that it's, it's impossible, right? That I, this trial couldn't count as something that could ever have a positive impact. That, that's not me. That doesn't count as me. I would rather harbor the pain, be angry about it, instead of considering it an opportunity for joy. I would rather think that, that I can just hold on to that pain and that, that hurt, instead of thinking that God could be working out a greater work in me, right? So that I would be lacking nothing. That's what the scripture says. It says that we would be not lacking anything. And isn't that truly what healing is? It's wholeness, it's completeness. That fullness. James very adamantly says that all trials are an occasion for joy. And not just any kind of joy, but a pure and very intense kind of joy. And while I know that I will experience a lot of different emotions, um, some not um, the most pleasant sometimes along my journey, that's okay, right? Last, last year I literally talked about emotions and how it's okay that we feel a lot of different things. But the author also believes pretty seriously that if I were to consider all things, all trials as joy would be for my benefit. And I don't always like to think that, that the fact that there are trials that come our way, right? But they're part of life. And I don't want to give simple platitudes for our pain but I also believe that viewing these, these hardships or these places that, that we've been hurt where we need healing with joy and hope can actually change the way we think and feel about them. As I began to realize this more and more, I was realizing that my back pain is not something I should hold on to, but as an opportunity to, to draw closer to God. It's something that I've tried doing that I know I already failed at this morning, and I really practice it lots to not do this, but to not call it my back pain anymore. It's a, it's a pain that I experience. It's a trial that I experience. It's not mine, because it's, it's my back pain, my back pain, my back pain, so it becomes part of my identity. The language I was using was super hoarding of it, right? Because if I hold on to it, I don't have to be disappointed when I don't experience healing. This is just part of who I am. It feels a lot safer to just continue to have pain and not believe that I can be healed or to actually step into that process of healing with God. And you know what? That might be safer. I don't know. But Jesus is one where he wants us to take radical risk-taking with him, right? He wants me to start to believe, I believe, that he wants me to start to believe that this process of healing is not a one-time thing but a journey with him. And guess what? Since that time, I've just had a lot of really cool little things happen. Like, I met this, I met this one person that introduced me to this new physical therapist that when I sat down with her and I explained to my pain, this literally just happened like two weeks ago, um, when I explained everything to me, to her, she's one of the first physical therapists that didn't look at me like, okay, well, we're going to give you these two exercises, fine. She, like, looked at me and, like, told me how sorry she was. And honestly, I sat there and I cried with her because she just made me feel so heard for the first time, like, honestly, since I was, like, 16. Um, and that was a healing moment, to have a physical therapist do that with me. And I don't think I would have even noticed or realized or seen how powerful that was if Jesus hadn't already been doing this with me, right? He had already been working on me and I hadn't opened myself up to that. So if I invite God into all this whole process of my healing, 
then I have to view it with so much despair or discouragement. And I'm gonna get discouraged, I'm a human, but I don't have to view it that way. That doesn't have to be my constant. And this perspective change has truly required and helped me let go of this wound and give it to God because he is a healer. And that's my second point this morning, is that God is a healer, and he came to earth to heal. That's one of the things he came to do. Now, I want to take just a very slight pause or detour and talk about that Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've seen it. You should if you haven't. I just get, like, I smile when I just see the picture because I loved it so much. Um, so I don't like superhero movies. I am not down for like the punching the bad guys in the face and blowing up things over and over and over again. The action film scene is just not my thing. This, this was really, really good. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I, I really encourage you to. Um, I will try not to ruin it for you this morning. I'll tell you a little bit about it just so I can make my sermon point. But um, I, I will not like tell you the end or anything. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so. Diana, also known as Wonder Woman, is an Amazon princess and a demigod who lives in an island of, on an island of all women. And she encounters a man for the very first time when he comes crashing down to the waters of her island on a fighter plane. And he is kind of like a, um, he's a British spy in like a pseudo World War I. Um, and so he actually ends up, she, she saves him, because she's an awesome heroine, you know, so she saves him from um, drowning in his, in his uh, plane. And then she helps him get back to his world so that she can root out all war. That's kind of hope or her, her vision. Um, and one of the things that I love about Wonder Woman is that she is constantly moved by compassion for others. So she'll repeatedly say throughout the movie, she gets pretty fired up when she doesn't, she says that she wants to fight for those who cannot fight for him, themselves, those who are vulnerable, those who are, are helpless. It is her love for humanity that continues to drive her, even when she sees man's darkness. For many of us sitting in this room today, we follow a, G a Jewish rabbi named Jesus, and his story is often a lot less flashy than hers. You know, he can't, like, kill three people with one arrow at a time and soar through the air, except for he did resurrect, so that's kind of a big deal. But um, he and Diana do share something in common, and that's that they both came to the world to try to bring hope and restoration and healing. We read in Matthew 9, 35-36, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had what? He had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. One commentary says about this verse that God did not wait for us to start helping ourselves, but he died for us when we were altogether helpless. God doesn't just help those who help themselves, right? He helps absolutely everyone and desires for everyone to have healing. This is good news. 
Not only is God a healer, but he heals because he loves us, not because we've earned our healing. Let me repeat that. God heals because he loves us, not because we have earned our healing. This verse talks about how Christ died for us while we were still weak. This verse talks about how he came to heal those who were sick, not those who were already healthy. And if I were to venture, all of us in this room need healing from something. Whether that be from an abusive relationship, a physical or psychological trauma, a loss of a loved one, maybe a dream that was broken. Even in our most ugly and broken and helpless state, God desires to die and resurrect so that we can experience him today, so that we can experience the healer. Do you know why else I love Wonder Woman besides the fact that she's really cool? She reminds us in some strange way that we all have a little bit of Wonder Woman inside of us. To do what is right and good because we're moved by this internal love and desire to heal what has been broken or tainted by darkness. And this brings me to my third point which God has called us all to heal. We just read in Matthew 9, 35-36, where it talks about how Jesus proclaimed the good news and he healed the sick. And literally, the next verse, in verse 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So here, Jesus reminds us that there is a lot to be done. The harvest field of God is ever expansive. And he's saying that the workers are few. Do you know why I think the workers are few? I think it's because we forget that we have the ability to heal. That in these hands, that we have the ability to do so much good. I don't know if it's maybe like an identity thing, right? Where we think like, man, I've just done so much harm that, that I can't ever begin to heal. Or I'm so broken that I can't ever begin to heal that which is around me. We forget that the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of us. He is close as bone and flesh and even closer. And I don't even understand how all of that works. <laughs> he is so near to us. But just... Like Wonder Woman comes to find out that humanity has both goodness and darkness in them, we really do find that out about ourselves too. And I think that sometimes is what trips us up from ever being able to believe that we can do that goodness. We think that we're maybe not worthy enough to be able to heal others. And so my first question for us this morning is what needs healing in your life? If you just kind of sit and think about that, just I'm sure that the Lord is already maybe kind of talking to you, but what needs healing? Maybe it's from an assault, addiction, physical pain. Maybe it's a trauma that you experienced when you were little that you're still grieving. Maybe you've harbored pain in some way, the way that I've harbored pain in my back. And do we need to invite others into that? Do we need to invite God into that? And the second question I want to ask is, 
What is maybe God asking you to heal? Maybe it's a broken friendship. Someone that you need to go ahead and give a call to after this and, and fix what you know is, is, is hurting. <laughs> maybe it's even just for you, like thinking, man, I've just been working so hard that I feel kind of like, I know I get myself and say, I work so hard that I end up just feeling like so raw, like I, I don't have anything else to give. And so maybe it means taking an hour for yourself this week to like take a bubble bath or do something that feels that that's probably something that I would want to do. I, mean, I think outside of that. Um, what, whatever that may be. Maybe it is um, working on something with your hands that makes you feel like, oh, this, this is so, so refreshing or so relaxing. Or maybe that bubble bath, because that's what I love to do. Um, maybe it means bringing dinner over for a friend who just lost something or someone. Maybe that act of actually preparing a meal would be an act of worship and also an a step towards healing, bringing that food to someone else's body so that they could be nourished. Maybe you've been wanting to go to nursing school, let's say, for a really long time, but you, you haven't even putting it off, um, but you know that God has called you to be in kind of that tangible healing of others, helping people on their recovery. Maybe it means that you finally just put in the application. Um, Talk to someone about what that would look like for you to balance the many things in your life with going back to school. Maybe it means literally asking to pray for someone and putting your hand on another and saying, can I pray for, for whatever maybe is going on for you, whether that be emotional or physical pain. And this is the thing. I've done a lot of research recently on the, the connection between brain and body. And... Doctors believe that chronic pain is often connected to some kind of emotional trauma that you haven't fully healed from. And so, I'm just going to throw that out there, that maybe even sometimes those things that, that we experience um, are connected to something that we need healing from emotionally. There are a thousand ways that we heal and that we help heal others. And that is the beauty of it. The work of our hands have the ability to be so holy and healing. And will we ask for them to be so today? Because remember, the, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. But what if it looked like the workers were abundant? How would that change our community, our, our nation, our world? When I was a little girl, my grandma used to always tell me the story of when she met my grandpa. Um, and one of her favorite things about my grandpa were his hands. That's why I have that picture. Watch me get emotional today. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. When I was in college, she gave me a poem that she had written um, for my grandpa a little bit ago when um, she was, I don't know how old they were at that time, but um, she had written this poem for him. And my grandpa, you know, my grandpa was not um, a part of the clergy. Um, he was a... Like, my mom describes it as a good old boy. That's how she always says. He fought in the Korean War, and he um, was a, a welder by trade. He also was a really beautiful painter. Like, he just painted the most beautiful paintings, and he taught himself, and he would create all these beautiful things. And um, I think this morning, as I was thinking just about it, like being Father's Day, and thinking of my grandpa and, and my dad, and um, Thinking about this idea of our, our hands being in a, a way to, to heal, um, both, both the way that God heals us and the way that we can help heal others. And I just wanted to read you this poem today um, because I think it reminds me 
that we all, through so many small and big actions, can bring so much healing to places and to people and to things. So I'm going to read it to you now. Um, it's called Hands. Hands cracked and calloused from hard work they have done, welding by trade combined with the sun. Hands that saw war and dug many ditches, rock little babies even changed bridges. Hands for thinking and discipline called were the same hands that toiled to fix broken dolls. Hands that strike out when put under pressure are the same that create pretty gifts that we treasure. Still always busy, never quiet for long, not looking older yet steady and strong. Now looking older, yet sitting strong. They've given so freely to make dreams expand, a lifetime for others not making demands. Unselfish, loving, hardworking hands. That was penned by my grandma, Wilma Hooray, on June 1979. And so once again, I will ask us, what needs healing and what is God asking you to heal? Um, and none of us are get out of this, right? God wants to heal all of us, and he wants to use all of us to heal. No one in this room can, can hide in the corner with this one. This is for all of us. And you might still be thinking about that thing. Um, you might be feeling like, oh, I don't even know where to begin with that, um, that idea of like maybe even healing others or being a part of the healing process for others. And so I just want to ask you again, have you allowed God to be a part of your journey of healing? Do you maybe even feel like you experienced the pain that you have? I know that that's happened to me before. I'm like, I deserve this. I must have done something, you know? And that's just not true. Because remember, God heals because he loves us, not because we've earned our healing. And so I'm going to go ahead and now invite Adwa back up. Um, as well as the band. And I know that Adjoa will probably um, share with you guys a poem that she's written during our time, my time of speaking. Um, it's this beautiful gift that God has given her, I think, to heal others and help others. Um, so she'll read that with you all. And then I just felt like, as I was thinking about today, that I couldn't talk about healing and then not offer prayer for healing. <laughs> So, um, after Adwa has done her poem, um, both myself and um, I've asked a couple people, I think Jonathan, um, I think Kip will also be up here, um, that will just be here to, to pray for you if you feel like there's something you want prayer for. And I know that it's sometimes scary to walk forward for that, um, but I just ask and trust that, that God will be speaking to you, and I ask that you would step forward in that obedience. And if, if you do feel uncomfortable and that doesn't feel like something that you want to do this morning, maybe you just write it on your connection card. I would love prayer for healing or someone to reach out to me about prayer for healing because um, I want to just make sure that we offer that space um, this morning. Um, so like I said, Adwa will share, and then as the band is um, is playing, um, I'll just be up here and I'll have a couple others up here as well if you would like to come forward for prayer. Um, but let me pray for all of us before um, going to bed. Lord, um, thank you for what you've been teaching me. Um, thank you for the healing that has happened and the healing that is yet to come. I pray that um, you would just be healing um, those in this room uh, from so many different things that I know I don't even can begin to fathom. Um, I pray you would just bring your healing hand upon them and that they would know that you are with them. Um, and God, I pray that 
we would we would trust that even just this morning the fact that we woke up and got here and got dressed is a miracle um, that you've already been doing miraculous things in our life from um, the, more, the moment we were born until this time right here. And so, um, God, we trust you. We know that you are good. We know that you are a good, good father who desires to heal um, in a lot of different ways. Um, we love you, God. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.